0: And get a scoop of my ice cream, baby. Jay has got the flavors that I know will drive you crazy. Tonight is going to be like we were streaming, baby. Won't you taste my ice cream? Baby, in your uh, let's get ready to rumble. Uh, this is your co host for the zero hour. It's Mark here. Uh, And who is to my right? Your host, Christine Chapman. Welcome. Welcome. Do you know what is so awesome today about the call-in, uh, call-in caller? About the call-in guest? It's actually our first celebrity, right? Sandra Bullock, say hello. (laughs) Well, hello there. (laughs) Thank you, Sandra, aka Katia D'Angelo, for joining the Zero Hour today. And I say... Uh, Sandra Bullock because holy schnikes, when I first met her we did a we did a, a zoom video prep and she is a dead ringer for Sandra Bullock <laughs> it's unbelievable Katya
1: well thank you thank you hello <laughs> hello
2: so so okay so can you comment on that are you are you told often that you look like Sandra Bullock because you do look like her
1: I I wouldn't say often, awesome, but I have been told that before. Yes, um, by I don't know, probably two or three other people I, have mentioned. I also get uh, Rachel Ray sometimes, which I don't see really much at all. No, I see but I, I see Sandra like,
2: Bullock, not so much Rachel Ray. Yeah, I get uh, Johnny yeah. Depp
0: a lot, and I get
1: um, yeah.
0: Yeah, who's another really handsome, whatever. I get Johnny Depp a lot, every daily. And in, in the supermarket, women stop me. Like, oh, autograph. Wow. Yes, crazy. He's he's. That's jerking. amazing. Yes. I'm amazing. not lying. <laughs> all right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. So uh, Katya joins us from my happy place, uh, Vermont. Mm-hmm. Right. We love our Vermont guests. And Katya has been a friend of Christine's for some time and of the Zero Hour and she is an entrepreneur of a different, of a different nature, as it as it were. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll mm-hmm. des- we'll describe what that means. You know, uh, you know me. I like to uh, like to bait the crowd a little bit. I like to keep them at the edge of their seats.
2: Okay. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. So. Wait. Well, why? I feel <laughs> I feel like there's pressure on me now to say it.
2: No, no, you don't have to say anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go in and interrupt you. Okay, go and um, just share a little context. Katya and I worked together uh, a little over a decade ago, and oh wow, has it been it, that long? It has been that long. And at the time, you were not married, correct? Um, and my kids were little, little and very little and very thin- cute and things have changed since like a lot has changed cuz you were living in the boston area where you're from and yep. you did end up getting married um after i got to know you and i loved going mm-hmm. to your wedding but there's also a really cool story around that um and and then you left And so I don't really want to get into the zero hour right away because Mark is going to like chop my head off if I do. But
0: (laughs) um, there's 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 things to talk about. For example, let's talk about your husband's name is Chris, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Is
0: Chris Mm -hmm. in? Is he in the house right now or is he uh, out laboring? Uh, No,
1: he is. He's downstairs drinking a cappuccino and hanging out with the dog.
0: Excellent, excellent. So it's it's important that we mention the other half because you can't do what Katya has done and continues to do without support, right? Without support, someone to yell at, hug, bounce ideas off of.
2: Confide in. Confide
0: in. Mm -hmm. Like you need to have that strong... Anchor, as it were, mm-hmm. right? Maybe, and you're probably each other's anchor, right? Yeah. But yeah, yep. in order to do writing going a bait, in order to do anything entrepreneurial and to go out into this big scary world on your own, you, you need to ha- you need to a have your own sense of worth and fortitude, and you need <laughs> to have a sounding board, right? You need to have that guy or gal yeah. to say, "Is this is this a crazy idea?" Or yeah, it's crazy, but I you mean, thought it out.
1: Helpful to have that for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think specifically in your case, it's really helpful to have. Who was it? Your uncle or your grandfather? has got the really New York accent?
1: Who? Oh, my uncle. Yeah. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your What's your uncle's name? Uh, Barry. Uncle Barry. Uncle Barry. Shout out presumed. to Uncle Barry. Because honestly, <laughs> if it wasn't for Uncle Barry, you probably would have something. Different, or to be named different, or it wouldn't be as catchy. So, Uncle sure. Barry definitely, mm-hmm. uh, you know, helped with the uh, the naming convention, as it were.
2: Okay, oh, yeah. so are, can we get to it? For now? sure. Can, can we? Can we get to it? Can we get to the that particular? Like, uh, are we allowed or? Uh,
0: d- what, no? what does Cady feel like? Do you want to
1: talk? Cady, you are you
0: ready? You
2: hey, yeah, talk? sure. I mean, okay, it's, so it's so
1: your show. It's the, Whatever's allowed is you on you. <laughs> so
2: your zero hour
1: happened
2: mm. when you decided to move away from the Boston area, correct? Like that was one of your big zero hour moments. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, for sure. Um We, yeah, we, I grew up outside of Boston. Um We had been, Chris grew up in New Jersey. We met in Utah and we went back to Boston. Okay. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can you
2: talk about meeting, meeting Chris in Utah? Cause I love the love story.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Sure. We are getting close to Valentine's Day, I suppose. Um, so Chris and I met at Deer Valley Ski Resort in Park City, Utah. Mm -hmm. I had gone out there to be a seasonal baker for the base lodge snow park. And, um, and my husband, Chris, he had quit his corporate job, um, in the, uh, government contracting uh, world, and because it was sucking the life out of him, he was working on um, guidance systems for missiles, and that really didn't jive super well with his um, like, ethics. <laughs> and so he's like up and quit and said, I'm going to be a ski instructor for a season out in Utah. And okay. uh, we were both living in employee housing. First year employees uh, are eligible for employee housing, because you know, you don't know anyone, you don't know the area, yada, yada. And so uh, one night, you know, everyone works different shifts. You've got um, the lifties, you've got the groomers, you have the instructors, you have bakers, janitors, like everybody, we all work different shifts. And one guy at the end of the hall decided that he was going to knock on everyone's door and introduce himself and get everyone else like introduced to each other. And so I was at the opposite end of the hall. So by the time, there was a knock on my door. There was a whole group of people that I opened the door to. And uh, Chris was one of them. And for the, I don't know, week and a half that I'd been there, I kept seeing this Massachusetts, this, this car with Massachusetts plates in the in the parking lot. And I was like, who was the weirdo that drove from Massachusetts to Utah? It's your husband. And of course, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being from Massachusetts, I was like, I wanted to know who this person was. And... So Chris was in the group, we got to talking, uh, at some point, you know, it came, where where are you from, blah, blah, blah. And so he was like, Oh, I just moved I just came out here from Boston. I was like, Oh my god, are you the guy that drove from Massachusetts? <laughs> and uh yeah, so then the rest of history and we um hung out and then we took a road trip together, which, you know, if there's ever a way to know if yes. you can be like well, lifelong partners. Oh yes, I'm means- aware. Take a road trip four months after you met where you're sleeping in the car together and spending many hours in a confined space.
0: (laughs) So I I can share two experiences. One, I used to be in employee housing, too, when I worked on the mountain Mm. in Killington, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know, wink, wink, what goes on in those employee housing (laughs) scenarios. (laughs) I am well aware I have been... I have accessed it. I have been a part of it. All right. So. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, it's like college.
0: <laughs> just like college. And then yes. I took a road trip from cliffside, New Jersey to okay. Homer, Alaska.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Three weeks on the road. And you really get to know the person you are like living with. At one point yeah. I, I woke up from a nap. I was, I was, we were driving. I was in the passenger seat. I'm you know, you know, sometimes you're you're waking up, you don't necessarily let people know you're awake, but but you're up. I heard yeah. him muttering to himself as he was driving. Okay. Oh, and I heard what he said, but I wanted him to admit it to me. So I woke up, I go, bro. I'm like, what did you just say? He goes, Nothing, nothing, nothing. No, no. I'm like, dude, I heard you <laughs> tell me what'd you say. And he refused to deny and turned on the radio. I turned off the radio. I'm like, Were you doing daily affirmations? He's like, <laughs> He's He's like, yes, I heard, I'm a good boy, my parents like me, I'm fun, Aww. people like me. And I'm oh, just my like, God. Yes. We sl- we shortly thereafter arrived in Homer and... Parted you, ways. Parted <laughs> ways, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's intense. Wow. Yes, that's intense. yes.
0: You get to know the person very well.
1: Yes, yeah, indeed. Okay, indeed.
2: so then you do this road trip. Yes. Yeah. And the yes. rest is history. Good.
1: I mean, pretty much. We we came back to Boston because that's, you know, like where our network was. And after a seasonal job, you're kind of like, okay, what next? And um, we uh, spent the next summer on uh, Lake George doing another seasonal job and then went back to Boston for kind of permanent, permanently. Yep, yep. Um, bought a house. I got a job um, where you and I met and... um Spent three and a half years kind of doing the thing, like doing the commute. Um, and Chris uh, kind of was in the cor- corporate world again. And, you know, we had a house it was fine. We didn't know our neighbors. We didn't, we weren't part of the community. We didn't have kids in the school system, which often helps, like, where you meet people. Yep, yep. Um, you, and, and you still just, don't have yeah, kids,
2: right? You You guys? Correct. Are not planning children. Correct. Okay.
1: Correct. We are child free by choice. Yes. Um we are dinks, as we're called. Dual income no kids. <laughs> oh my dinks.
0: God. I love oh that. Oh my
2: god, I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah, actually love that. we're um hold on. Uh, dink wads. Dual income <laughs> no kids with a dog.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Damn dinkwad. I love that.
1: <laughs> Wait, but you exactly. have a cat
0: too, so you're dink walks also.
1: Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, but Dink Wad just r- rolls off the tongue a little nicer. Dude,
0: it's so vulgar. Um, I love it.
1: Uh, so uh, then, then we then we really just came up to Vermont a whole bunch of times to visit friends and like do like a foodie road trip and like just have some fun. We at one point went to the Vermont Cheese Festival, yep. which is held every year in the summertime at a you know in a gorgeous idyllic location and. Um, you know, you, like, are basically drunk on cheese, thinking, oh, my God, this could be my life every day. <laughs> and we're like, hey, we could actually move here. Like, people do that. People move. Um, people do move. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we sold our house and moved to Vermont. So, so was it after. just like, oh, we're going to
2: move. Let's do it. And we're done in, like, three months? Or... Was this a long progression? Like, how long did it take from we're going to move to Vermont to we actually move to Vermont?
1: Because Mark uh, and I are
2: hoping to move to Vermont, too. But I think it's going to be see. a while. It
1: was, I just met you. It was probably, <laughs> I want to say, like, six months, maybe six or seven months. Wow. Um. Yeah, we basically, when we came back from that trip that we had this, like, epiphany of moving to Vermont, uh, we said that we would give it a year. And in that year, we would, like, cut down expenses, we would save up um, while looking for jobs. And if we didn't, if we found a job within that time frame, then obviously we'd move up great. If we didn't, then we, with whatever savings we had and after selling the house, we would just move. Uh, And then figure it out, you know, and we, Chris ended up getting a job first and that kind of was the catalyst. Um, And then I got a job when we got up here Uh, and, and, you know, everything did not go super smoothly for like the first year that we were up here. And we did have a couple of moments where we were like, hmm, what did we do?
0: (laughs) What was there? Um, Was there any one, because was there any one thing that you were like, shit? Like, we didn't think about X, Y, or Z that you were like, uh oh. I mean, you dink wads. So, like, how much, yeah. like, how much, how much, you know, do you actually need?
1: Um, I still see. When we first moved up, we, well, no, before we actually moved, moved, when we were looking for apartments, um, a lot of the apartments that we were looking at in Burlington were very uh, college appropriate, but yes. not really ones we wanted to live in as like young early, adults. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Late twenties, early thirties. And we were, you know, we looked at each other a couple of times. And we're like, um, are we going to be able to find a place to live? Cause we didn't want to buy a house cause we didn't know where, correct? Yeah, you know, we didn't know the area. Yep. Yep. Um, and so we were going to like, we rented and it was thankfully a friend of a friend who was renting her condo. Uh, outside of Burlington in a, in a town called Williston that we ended up landing in. So that was a, definitely an upgrade from the college apartments that we were looking at. Um, but it was also in a place that was very much like where we moved from. It was a suburb of a big, bigger city yep. uh, with all the box stores and um, lots of kind of brawl and we lived there for a year and we're like god this is not what we envisioned (laughs) so um, yeah after a year there then we bought a house in Waterbury which is where where you are now right? Yep yep. and people might know it because it's the headquarters of Ben and Jerry. Yes I
2: have done a factory tour I have a
0: question Mm -hmm. is there actually a Ben and Jerry? Yes you, oh yeah. it, yes, uh, yes, really, yes, yes, really. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They yeah. they started they started it in um, the oh gosh seventies. Uh, yeah. uh In Burlington at a conver- converted gas station. And really? How they like how their stick became their stick was that one of them and I forget who one of them doesn't um, taste have a good sense of taste and so he wanted. He he's a texture guy, so mm-hmm. that's why all of the flavors are like crammed with stuff. Because, oh, that's interesting. Uh, the flavor didn't matter so much as like having the texture something to punch on, and like yeah, interesting. So that's the story. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so yep. so it's so interesting that you land in the place where the Ben and Jerry's like factory, you know, is, and you ultimately <clears throat> end up doing what you do. Or what you did for a couple of years. Yes.
1: Yes, Yes. foreshadowing is happening uh, right now. We were here for about a year and, you know, started to get into the community. I was doing some volunteer work. We got to know our kind of neighbors and immediate people on, like, the side streets around us. It's a very, you know, this town is about 5,500 people. Uh, And in the village, the downtown, like, historic village where we live, uh, there's about 1600 people, so it's it's not very large. You tend to see people, someone you know, every time you go out of your house. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, <yep.
1: laughs> which is really wonderful. Like I really love that. Um,
0: well, that could also be kind of like and, annoying, you know, because sometimes I just don't want to talk to people. Like if I'm going to the supermarket, like I just don't want to deal with you, you know.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and and having now own two businesses in town, sometimes. I do miss the anonymity a little bit, yeah. Um, but ultimately the joy of feeling really a part of a community and, um, knowing people in town supersedes for me, the, the loss of anonymity. Um, if that makes sense.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: So we were here for a year or so, yeah, just about a year, maybe a year and a half and, I had never lived anywhere where there wasn't, like, a local ice cream shop. Yep. And Ben and & Jerry's is uh, about a mile and a half, yeah, about a mile and a half up the road from the main kind of walking area of the village. It's on a really busy main, um, like, county highway, kind of, sort of. And it's always super-duper crowded with visitors. No local really goes there on any sort of regular basis it's, it's there for when we have family or friends in town to entertain and we go with them to tour the factory okay. makes complete um, sense it's also, yeah
0: it's like yeah it's, also, new, it's like new yorkers don't yeah, spend any time in Times square right we don't we don't go to yeah, Times right, square yeah. that's where all the tourists go
1: right exactly exactly um so you know i'm like looking around and i'm like gosh why isn't there an ice cream store around here and my first job as a 14-year-old, was in my town. As ice an ice cream, cream, cream scooper? Yes. Love exactly. that. And so, and the, um, the, this is kind of a fun parallel to naming, as we were talking about. Uh, the place that I worked at initially was called the Big Dipper. Like, I love an ice dipper. The Big Dipper. But then it was dipper. like Constellations and stuff like that, yeah. Yep, yep. So that was the first place I worked. And so I was like really missing... Just thinking of like walk downtown down you know downtown in quotations (laughs) and getting an ice cream so i started thinking i was like okay well could i open an ice cream shop like is that feasible is there space like how does that work with ben and jerry's at the road and ultimately decided that it would be really hard to carry it over the winter because winter in vermont now granted new englanders do eat the most amount of ice cream per capita in the country and that's because we do eat ice cream year round it doesn't matter the temperature that's, i did
0: not know that really
1: yeah yeah huh. that is a fun i mean that is a fact i learned probably a decade ago but it I, surely it remains the same
0: so I'm, I'm in an ice rink this week because my daughter plays ice hockey mm-hmm. right and, and the, the inside the rink was was warmer actually than outside we there's an inner there's an intermission you go into like a little vestibule area, which is still a little warmer. Everyone is talking about how cold they are. And it's one guy comes and goes, "Oh my god, it's so cold!" And he had a frigging iced coffee in his hand too. <laughs> He's like, "New Englanders don't care." They're like, "I want my iced coffee." Right. It's dude, it's two degrees outside. You know, exactly, exactly. It's so
2: exactly crazy, though. It's so true. It's so true. Okay, so you're like ice cream shop. Can I can I feasibly make it happen? We mm-hmm. do we do eat ice cream year round. Vermont is known for its Vermont creamies, right? And mm-hmm. and they are served year round and any time, yep. no matter the season. If we go to Vermont, my kids are like, "I need a creamy." I'm like, "It's freezing we, cold."
1: We should probably explain that means to most everyone out there. A creamy is softer. It's a softer. It's a soft ice, ice cream, cream with maple flavors. Yes, but for some reason in Vermont, it's called creamy and. It took me a really long time to not
0: call it soft serve. I, I dude, I, I still don't call it creamies. I call it uh, I, soft serve. Yeah. yeah I call it you know yeah. yeah it
2: is soft serve. Yeah. But I like I like um, that creamies is a thing.
0: All right, let her tell her. Yeah, I'm, is, sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, fun. I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> it's very Vermont-y.
0: This definitely. is not the Christine show. This is,
1: <laughs> this, is, this,
0: is the, z- this is the Katia show. <laughs> it could be. This is her hour, not your hour. Continue, Katia. Be. I got you, girl.
1: Um, Continue. So, ultimately, ultimately, I decided that to outfit and bring up to, like, food service code and standards and everything, to outfit all that with the equipment you need, was just, like, beyond the investment that we wanted to make. So, I kind of mulled around that idea for a little while. Um, and then, I I really wish I remembered where I saw this, but I, I cannot for the life of me remember, like, what the, like, aha moment was. But... Uh, somewhere, somehow, I saw a tricycle with a insulated cabinet, like built into it, and like a little umbrella, and um, thought to myself, "That is it. That is the solution to have a ice cream tricycle that would make allow me to be mobile. That would allow me to ride down the street and park it somewhere in town." And it was way less expensive to start that up than it was to lease out a commercial space and like do all the, you know, the sinks and the dishwashing and the uh, freezer, cabinets yeah. and all that stuff. But where, um,
0: where did you store all your ice cream? And now I. Know, I'm, I th- I think this this is an amazing idea. And I have a vision. I have a vision of you. Mm -hmm. So, listeners. With a
2: ginormous
0: freezer in your garage. But, listeners, imagine Sandra Bullock on a tricycle.
2: (laughs) With an apron on. With an
0: apron on and an an umbrella with a big ice cream scooper thing in front. Imagine Sandra Bullock doing that. That's the vision.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, So, I mean – yeah, that was pretty much it. And yes, I had a giant freezer in my garage.
2: <laughs> so, how many flavors just cuz I'm 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 fascinated, how many flavors would you be able to put in the tricycle like contraption? And yes. how many servings would that be if everybody just had a regular size cone or cup?
1: So, I could fit about I could fit six, not about. I could fit actually just six. Tubs of ice cream, which meant six flavors uh, in the cabinet, and five gallon tubs? tubs. How many
0: gallons are the tubs? Uh,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Five yeah. Gallons. Oh my god. So each. Oh no, sorry. Was it five gallons? Or two, um, or
0: two and a half, maybe.
1: I think it was two and a half. Yeah, they were two and a half gallons. Um, you know, round containers, and each one I estimated. Now I didn't actually sit there and like scoop out. You know, like one to test. Um, But I estimated that I could get about
0: 70 scoops, single scoops, out of one tub. Wow. So, wait, hang on, hang on. 70 scoops out of a tub. 70 (laughs) times five (laughs) tubs. So that's 320 scoops?
1: 350 scoops.
0: 350 scoops. And would would, would you sell that out in a day? Would you have to go back and get more?
1: no, 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 not usually. Um, there were there was one event that I did where I pretty much sold out, and that was like a July fourth thing that was like cuckoo bananas. Uh, but a general evening when I was just out um, um on the street corner <laughs> where I would hang out, uh, you know, I would you know, probably let's see. oh gosh. Um, I could go through maybe half of that on a really busy night. That's crazy. OK. And then you'd like yeah. tricycle
2: back. And put it mm-hmm. back in your freezer and wait for the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right, hang on. Let's yep. get let's that's get crazy. to Uncle Barry, please. Let's get to Uncle okay. Barry. Let's yes, let's yes. slow right, it yeah, down. Yeah. Let's slow it down. All right. This yeah. is the zero hour show. All right, <laughs> Katya, can you please tell <laughs> us about Uncle Barry and how you came up with the name?
2: Because so we haven't we Uncle haven't Barry, unveiled
1: the name yet. That's true. That's true. We have not. Um, my Uncle Barry uh, was. Pretty much lived in New York all his life. Forget and has about a it. New York accent. Yep, it's awesome. I love it. And he's also in the marketing sales ad world. And so that you know, I've often you know called him up or bounced ideas off of him. And they were visiting. Uh, my aunt and uncle were both visiting here, and I kind of ran this idea past them. They're they're very much of the same vein. They have lots of ideas. They like to um, have fun with and stuff. So. I showed them the like drafts of the logo I was thinking about and the colors and then I had a list of probably 15 iterations of names in some way shape or form. And one of them was the other spoke. O T H E R S P O K E. The other spoke. The
0: other spoke. Yeah.
1: Yeah, spoke like a bicycle spoke. Yes, like a bicycle spoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and So I ran, like, that was the leading one at that point, but I wasn't in love with it. And then kind of went through the whole rest of the list, and he's, you know, thinking about it, he's looking at the list, and he's like, nah, you know, I really like the other guys. And me, I think he initially meant the first one that I was talking about, but he said the other guys, like, U-D-D-E-R. And I thought, oh, my God, that's it. Love that.
0: I mean, it's so... Alright, I'm a fan of multiple multiple Meetings. meanings of words. The utter guys, Utter being from the <clears throat> cow, whatever. The other yep. guys, because you got Ben and Jerry's in town. Yes, right? Yes. So we're exactly. the utter guys. That's perfect. Exactly.
1: You would be amazed at how many people did not get that.
0: <laughs> I'm not surprised.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's that's brilliant.
0: An, so Uncle Barry, who didn't mean to say Utter, Other. Hey, the I like the other yeah. guys. Right? That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Bear.
1: Yeah. And it was just so, That's, that was uh, I don't know, serendipitous that I just, that, that was it. That just, boom, done. End.
2: <laughs> okay, so then The other Guys goes out into the world with you as its fearless leader. And how Correct. many yep. years, how many years are you out there doing this thing and how many days during the summer did that mean like because you had a day job this was your side gig
1: correct yeah this was my side hustle and uh i was out the first year i was out as many evenings that i could be um i was you know super gung-ho i really wanted to kind of make a name for myself get the brand recognized uh and I, you know, I didn't actually know a whole lot of people in town at that point. I knew kind of my immediate neighbors, but throughout the first summer, I really got to know a ton of people and I had regulars and it was so much fun. And then all the tourists that were in town, cause I was, I was, uh, I asked one of the local restaurant owners if I could camp out essentially in his little, he had like a a little kind of driveway parking area that wasn't used as a parking area. And it was highly visible in the main intersection in town. And he was all for it. I mean, he he was very community minded individual and business owner. Did he ask for a cut? Did he ask for a cut?
0: Did he ask for a cut?
1: I, I did offer, yes, I did offer him, but it was very casual. Like I, I, you know, he said 10% of your nightly sales. Um, and you know, so I, it was That's fair. very, That's fair. very minimal, you know, because I'm sure I'm sure that I was taking some dessert sales away from sure. his yeah. table. Um, on the other hand, that also meant that people weren't lingering over an eight dollar dessert for another half an hour and they could turn the table. So, right. you know, right. it kind of benefited everybody. Um, and yeah, so I was out pretty much every night that it didn't rain. <laughs> wow, that's crazy! Yeah. Okay,
0: so was it was it seasonal or was it year round? Because New Englanders eat ice cream all year long.
2: Yeah, but she can't she can't <laughs> no, tricycle in the winter seasonal. in Vermont. Yeah,
0: she can. No, she can't. Yeah, she can. Not,
2: not <laughs> easily. Not easily. <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: she I don't can.
1: Want in the winter.
0: All right. So was so it I like ran, was it like Memorial Day to Labor Day type thing?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I opened up Memorial Day weekend, uh, ran through the whole summer. Closed down Labor Day weekend. In my second year, I started to book weddings, so That's the weddings brilliant. I would extend into October because that is a big wedding season up here in Vermont. Um, it's foliage. It's
0: foliage season.
1: Exact, yeah. cool. exactly. So every you know, all the brides and grooms want to like get married,
0: Gross you know, with the us. foliage
1: in the background and and eat ice cream. Also, some of them. <laughs> And that, uh, yeah, I had that for five years. Each year, you know, th- I tweak things, uh, something almost every year, whether it was my schedule or my location or um, the, I, sometimes the, manu- the ice cream manufacturer made new flavors, so I would get new flavors, or he would he would send me a test flavor to test on my customers, which is a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um,
0: would you have, yeah, like, the, local, I, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I did not make my own, uh, which sometimes surprised people, but in order to make your, in order in Vermont to work, well, probably anywhere, but specifically Vermont, to work with dairy, it is incredibly uh, highly regulated sure. um, for safety, like food safety. Yeah, season. I bet. So I didn't have the location or really the time to make my own, and a, um, a friend of mine owned adirondack creamery outside of new york and and i called him up and i was like can i get your ice cream here and he was like i don't know let's find out and sure enough um i could which is amazing because he had always wanted to get into the vermont market and but was a little you know intimidated by ben and jerry's presence and I ended up being the only place in Vermont that carried his ice cream. So awesome. I had an exclusive, which was great. That's
0: amazing. At, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, did you just have the one tricycle the entire five years? And did you hire like, local kids also so you can do other stuff?
1: I only had the one. Okay. There were There were talks. Chris and I talked about how to have a second one. If it would be here in Waterbury or if it would be in a different community. And ultimately, the logistics of it were really difficult to
0: mm-hmm.
1: figure out in terms of management. Yep. And, you know, it worked for me because everything was kept in, on my property. You know, the, the paper goods were in our spare bedroom. The ice cream was obviously in a freezer in our yeah.
0: garage. Yeah.
1: The, the tricycle was kept in our garage. And to have that all, that whole setup someplace else. Uh, Would have been very difficult,
2: yeah, and uh, costly, I'm sure.
1: Yes, yeah. And, like, I got to really trust someone that's handling the money and the food, you know, the consumables and inventory and all that, which, uh, yeah, so that that wasn't something we ended up pursuing. I did hire a couple of uh, high schoolers for the summer, like, you know, a night here, a night there after probably the third, I think the third year was when I hired them. Um, you know, there's actually not a whole lot of opportunity here, like job wise for first jobs. And, you know, I look back at my first job in an ice cream store and I was like, yeah, that, actually that taught me a lot. It taught me to deal with people, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, customer service skills, um, how to, you know, maintain a clean work environment, how to, um, you know, count money and do that, you know, math, quick math in your head. So, um, yeah, I got. I over the course of the time, I think I had three. No, yeah, three employees. Like three employees.
2: That's 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 cool. All
0: that's right, cool. so hang so, on. Okay. Take us up yeah. to speed. So you shutter the utter right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, actually, I sold it. Oh, you sold it. Oh, good. For I you. sold the business. Yeah, to a local uh, family who has another like full time business, and they basically bought it for their a uh, 15-year-old son to manage and teach him entrepreneur skills as well. Oh, that's amazing. So it was really – it was so perfect. Like, it was a perfect full circle. I couldn't have imagined ending it any better. I, I knew that I was – I had other things to focus my attention on, and this was not going to be sustainable to keep it going. Uh, But I also really didn't want it to just go away. Yeah. So Is it still in operation?
0: Is it still operating?
1: It is. Oh, yeah. Yep. So last year was their their first year, their first season doing it. Uh, And actually, it was just they're going on vacation at the same time um, this coming summer. At the same time, there's a big community event, and they asked me to... Scoop for them while they're away because they didn't want to lose out. So that's crazy. Uh, I'm coming out of retirement. <laughs> oh
2: my god! But you're you're still on the website, Katya. I noticed they haven't like I am. They haven't changed the website. Yeah, you're still the. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you're still in there as the you know your pictures in there and everything. Huh. Utterguys.com, right?
1: Yeah, the utterguys vt. Yeah,
2: the utterguys um. vt dot com.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess I okay, well they haven't figured that one yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they haven't done
2: that yet, just so you know. And uh oh, well. <laughs> if the, this may be a reminder to them when they listen to your pod, you know, your podcast episode. Yeah. There you go. Yeah,
1: totally.
2: Okay, so totally, then yeah. so then we've got COVID.
1: <laughs> that yes. allows
2: mm-hmm. for another zero hour to begin for you, right? And Correct. you need to like just get us up to speed, because it has now been four or five years since that new four. entrepreneurial venture has happened and is
1: thriving? Yes, yes. So um, about a year after we moved to Vermont, I got a job as a marketing manager for a, an adventure travel company, which was awesome. It was the industry that I really wanted to get into. I love to travel. I love to meeting people, experiencing cultures. And I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed working for them. We had a great team, loved it. Uh, then COVID hit and the travel industry was
2: Non-existent. basically complete. Yeah.
1: And I, uh you know, we were all on working half time. Uh, nobody knew what was going to happen. And, you know, I did not want to be the one to quote unquote, like jump ship, but also an opportunity came up that I like felt, was a good one and I couldn't say no to. So when um, COVID hit and everything shut down in March, our local bookstore owner, you know, shut down along with it. And in, when, then they, you know, reopened slowly in the summer. And then in August, yeah, early August or late July, she put it out on social media that she was looking to sell the bookstore. And she had started this and had it for 10 years. And this is ready to do something else, which, like, I totally, after the other guys, I was totally understanding of. And Chris and I um, initially, oh, wait, actually, I totally forgot. I totally forgot the middle part of this. So she downsized, she cut her space in half, essentially, consolidated all her stock, and there was this empty storefront. And at that point, the other guys had grown quite a lot and had really gained recognition. And so Chris and I went to look at that empty space for possibly now doing an ice cream store. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then we decided once again that that, like, probably wasn't the way to go. And then she announced that she was selling. And Chris and I were like, well, okay, wait a minute here. Like, we were just thinking about doing something kind of bigger and grander than the tricycle. Now this is an opportunity. I love to read. I have experience in retail. Obviously, my marketing experience would serve me in any sort of job like this. Um, And we started going down that road. And we, you know, asked her for the business details and what, you know, she was selling it for and blah, blah, blah. And and we ended up buying the bookstore in October of 2020. That's crazy. Uh, Not knowing what COVID was going to do. (laughs) Right. <laughs> we just kind of put, uh, I don't know, put good energy into the universe. And, and we knew that it was some, some way COVID was going like, to end. Either we were all going to be vaccinated and become immune or get it and become immune. Or, um, or we were just going to be like the masking and the social distancing was just going to really be our new normal. But either way. People were going to come out
2: of lockdown and would eventually buy books.
1: Right, right. Eventually, like have some semblance of find the normal again. Yes. Um, And you know, we looked a lot about, or we talked a lot about the financial aspect of this. And because we uh, don't have kids, there was we felt a little bit less risky. You know, we if if we put the money towards buying the business and then everything went kablooey uh you know we would still be able to have the house chris was still working um so we had his income and you know it kind of just looked at, like the worst case scenario situation and felt that we could stomach the risk and so we went for it and th- so, and that was that
2: so how, how all right this so name good. of the bookstore first before mark asks his question <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: The bookstore is Bridgeside Books and it is in Waterbury it is in fact beside a bridge and Do you sell ice cream in uh, it? What was that?
0: Do you sell ice cream in it? Do you sell? No, no
1: although I can't tell you how many of my other guys customers ask me that.
2: <laughs> like, when are you going to sell ice cream here?
1: Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Exactly. I love that. Mhm.
0: So how different, all right, I, how am I going to ask this question? Um, you're now operating a bookstore. You were operating uh, an ice cream tricycle, right? A mobile, a mobile mm-hmm. ice cream store. Um, is the basic premise of running a business the same, meaning you have inventory, you have customers, you charge customers a price, right? You make revenue. Is it the same or was it vastly different with selling books? And, and which is which? Ooh. Which do you get better return on investment from? Because for ice cream, you have to buy the ice cream frequently, right? For well, books, you,
2: you also have to do the same for books. if do you, do, you? If you're running a pretty profitable store, which I believe Katia
1: is, S- mm-hmm. so yeah. So the the basic the basics are the same. You're right. Like you are selling a product to a consumer, regardless of what the product is or how much it costs. Right, uh, but the details are really very different um, with the ice cream you've got a perishable food mm-hmm. good um, which comes with its own kind of issues and like quality control and you know if it melts like that's now not usable I can't refreeze that like you know that kind of thing um, with and, and there were a finite amount of flavors I mean he makes uh, Adirondack Creamery, I think, has twelve, maybe fifteen flavors, and you know that was kind of it. And I only carried six at one time, so that was all that people had. They they, they couldn't like request that I go yes. back to my garage and scoop them a coconut when I only when I didn't have that that night. Um, with the bookstore, it is that times like a thousand. <laughs> there are so many different thousands, literally books. Thousands. What was that?
0: Yes. I said there are so
2: many books and types yeah. of books and
1: yeah. I mean, there are so the publication day. I don't know how it became a Tuesday, but but new pub, new books are published on Tuesday. So that's when they come out, and every Tuesday there are there are thousands of books that come out um, from uh, the main the big five mainstream publishers. The indie publishers, the self published people, uh, ebooks that are only ebooks, audiobooks that are only audiobooks, like it's really intense. And so um, oftentimes when people come into the bookstore, you know, we have about 1600 square feet. Not all of that is books. Um, most of it is, but not all of it. Uh, people come in, they're looking for a specific title. It really is like a needle in a haystack, whether I have it or not. I mean, yeah. the, the bookstore model is, is, I think more of a discovery model. Like you come in, you browse. You might yes. see a book you didn't know existed. You might see a topic you didn't know you were interested, but it sounds really compelling. Like that is what people love about being, you know, browsing a bookstore. Yes. <clears throat> and of course, like I, you know, we try to have the the things that are getting hits on social media and the books that are being turned into movies, like Flowers of Killer Moon and the Reese's book picks and the Oprah book picks and (laughs) all those. But um, inevitably I just can't have, I just can't have everything. And for every one book, one title that's on the shelf, there's, you know, 50 that I didn't choose. Right. Um, Right. So, so that's your greatest challenge. Yes. Yes. The the actual overabundance of choice. (laughs) Well,
0: also because you're, you're losing business, right? And you have to be somewhat, you know, not clairvoyant, but it's, you know, pulse on the pulse on the market of what people are going to want. Like, mm-hmm. for example, that Prince that Prince Henry book, Harry book. Did, oh yeah. Was, mm-hmm. was that was that a big seller? Did you did you did you have that one?
1: Uh, I did have that, but it actually was not a terribly big seller at my store. So, interesting. It,
0: what do you can you like? You have a book, you buy a whole bunch of it. It's not a big seller. Can you give it back to the publisher, or do you, or do you own it? Yes. Okay. Nope.
1: Actually, that is a very interesting and unique uh, quality about part books. of book selling. Yeah, that is not typical in the retail world. So there's a gift shop that uh, is across the street from me, and when they buy stuff, they buy it. You, they they own don't return it, it to yeah. the manufacturer. That's it. It just goes on sale if it, don't, it doesn't sell. Um, with books, and again, I don't, I don't know the history of this. Although I, I'm curious what it is, like how it happened, It's like. With books, I can return books that don't sell within a certain time frame. And I pay for shipping, so I do lose some money, but ultimately the majority of it, uh, of what I paid, is credited to my publisher account. And then I can just use that to buy more books. Um,
2: That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So a lot of, I think that probably, my guess is one aspect of that is because many books come out in hardcover first and then about a year later come out in paperback. Right, and so nobody's going to buy, or very few people would want to buy the hardcover once the paper bag is sitting on the shelf next to it. <laughs> right, right.
2: That's it's so, so true. much.
0: It's so much less expensive to buy the paperback. Yep. Yeah,
1: yep. Right, right, exactly. Um, so that is a real benefit um, to the book selling world. Uh, the flip side of that, though, is that you know we do have some of the lowest margins, profit margins, in the retail world. You know, really? a lot of retail. Yeah, a lot of retail has a, a, like, minimum that they'll mark up. And and sometimes it'll be, like, crazy amounts that they mark up because they can. With books, the price is printed on the book. I really – I mean, I could try and sell it for higher than that, but then I won't sell any books. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You
0: know, and and, and also, I I think the – I think the type of consumer is a little bit different too. So you could easily buy a book online, or your consumer is the person who enjoys going into a bookstore, they like the smell. Of books, mm-hmm. they like mm-hmm. to hear. They, they like the feel. Cr- of they books. like the creak of the door open. Maybe there's a little like antique bell type of thing. Like they <laughs> like they like the experience of being and, able to sit in a in a bit of a chair and read the preface, right, of a book. And yeah, yeah totally. They like going into and having that. You know, a sense of touch, smell, you know, experience, rather than going to Amazon, being like, "Oh, all right." You know, if all things are the same in terms of price, you're going to have one consumer that goes to Amazon for convenience, and you're going to have the other consumer that goes to you for experience.
1: That's so true. Yeah, totally. And and I think there's a third. uh a third category of consumer, and those are people that really value uh, community and what small businesses bring yes. to their
0: community. True,
1: um, not just a bookstore, but you know the gift shop next to me, the cafe on the other side of me, the the frame shop down the street, the yep. the salon that sells hats and clothes. You know, um, when when you know the the school or the baseball team or the nonprofit when they need. Donations for their fundraiser, like Amazon is not giving it to them. Best Buy isn't giving those to them. But you guys and, are. Right. When people go, when, you know, we, we have tourists that come into town. Well, they're coming to town because we have a vib- vibrant, thriving little village here. And that's yeah. because we have small businesses and not chain stores. And, you know, it's cute and quaint. And that, you know, becomes a desirable place for people to visit and ultimately live and then people pay taxes and I pay my employees and they pay taxes. And, you know, so um, there are people that really, and it's becoming more and more that choose to shop small and local because they understand like the greater benefit of that than just going online and finding, you know, the first cheapest, you know, piece of
2: crap. (laughs) Okay, okay, so Katya, on that vein, right, and I know we're we're running short on time, and I had sent you a bunch of questions that we're probably (laughs) not going to get to, but one of the things that, because you and I got a chance to see each other during the Christmas, you know, between Christmas, New Year's week, when my family was up in Vermont, my question at the time was, okay, so Bookstores aren't bookstores, like aren't aren't they losing out to like the the Amazons and the Barnes and Nobles of the world, so to speak? Like, how do you how do you do in this day and age that is taken up by corporate America? If you are a small community bookstore, you're a small mom and pop shop, which you are. And you told yep. me something
1: fascinating. Fascinating. So uh, I hope that what I'm going to say is the thing that I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, it's it's a common misconception that bookstores are closing left, right, and center. Um, certainly, there are businesses, small businesses of all kinds, that um, are selling or or unfortunately closing. Um, but since COVID, uh, there have been about four hundred or three hundred and fifty, somewhere around that. Uh, new bookstores that have opened across the country, most of them women-owned or BIPOC-owned. Yes! And uh, that's huge. I mean, that it just goes to show you that, Mark, what you were saying about experience, that, you know, at Christmas time, we have tons of people that come in and they, they're they like, okay, I'm buying from my father, and he likes history, but he's read all the World War II histories, and like, blah, 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 like, I need a book for him, blah, blah, blah. And we know our inventory, we obviously read a lot, and we can Go to a shelf and be like, "This book, here you go." And uh, you know, it's it's a like personal touch, customer service experience, smell, sight, etc. Um, and yeah, bookstores are really not going anywhere soon. Um, That's great to hear. That's <laughs> lovely. I love that. And I love that. The other interesting statistic when we when we before we bought the place and we were like doing our research on the industry and stuff like that, um, one of the statistics. That I saw, and I, I think it was from the American Booksellers Association, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, it was showing the percentage of sales that have have been taken from like the Target or taken by Target and Amazon um, from small indie bookstores. And actually, Amazon takes more sales from Target, that's Buy, Walmart than it actually than they actually do from indie bookstores. Interesting. You know, it's a similar consumer. If you're if you're living and shopping around near big box stores, like you're probably not already shopping at small local yep. stores, bookstores, or otherwise. Um, and so it's just it's just a different consumer habit. And um, yeah, and what makes really what makes indie bookstores really quite special is that they're all different. Yes, you walk into one in Vermont or another in Vermont, and they're, they're going to be, be totally, totally different. different. Yep different books on the shelf. They're going to have different layouts, different colors, different readers, different shelf talkers. Like, it's just, it's, yeah, a totally different world.
2: I love that. Okay, last question from me. Mm. What advice as an entrepreneur who literally like uprooted her life (laughs) and her family's life and decided I'm going to start somewhere else and I'm going to get a day job and then I'm going to end up like having a side gig that is an entrepreneurial venture and then that thing's going to grow and I'm going to end up going into yet another entrepreneurial venture. You don't seem like the entrepreneur that I am, which is not the smart entrepreneur who's just like, I have a vision. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to look at things. I'm just going to go and somehow the money fairy is going to show up and and I'm going to make money. Right. Like I feel like you and Chris, we're much more practical, much more sort of process-oriented, much more I'm going to do my due diligence before I jump into this thing. So that advice is just as valuable to somebody like me as to anybody mm-hmm. who might be starting their own vision. What mm-hmm. What is the best advice you can give them as we get ready to to close down the, the, the shutters of this episode, Katia?
1: Um, I would say just to remember that you can only plan so much you can only do so much research. You can only hypothesize and play out the scenarios so much. And ultimately you have to kind of just go for it or not. Um, you know, I, I, for the bookstore, we definitely did a lot of planning and thinking and analysis, but for the other guys, it was a lot less because it was also a lot less investment, um, you know financially and and you know when I bought the tricycle I wasn't actually sure that I was really ready to totally launch it and Chris said look when you buy the tricycle when you have that piece of the business which is obviously the business um everything else will like fit in like you will then be like extra motivated to finish all the other components of this and that was true like that was like a big thing. Like once I had this physical thing, I was like, okay, now we got to do it. Like, here we go. (laughs) So yeah, you got to balance. You can, what is it? Analysis paralysis. Like you could really be just stopped in your tracks by just all of the possibilities and scenarios and research. But you got to throw some some caution.
0: You got to throw some caution against the wind, right? You have, you have have to go in with like an educated mindset and, you Mm -hmm. know, and scenarios, but you're right, paralysis by analysis, right? Like Yeah, you yeah. just
2: at some point you just have to bite the bullet and go.
0: All right. Yeah. Do we yeah. do people know how to reach you? Have we have we? No, what? we All haven't right, let's do we that. haven't
2: shared any of that as we get ready to close. <laughs> Katya, we could talk to you forever.
1: I know. Oh, I miss you so much. Oh Me my too. god. <laughs> oh
0: Group Hug. Yes. Yeah. All right, y'all. Support your locals, which is? Where do we do
1: that? Well, we are at BridgesideBooks.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook, BridgesideBooks, on either of those platforms. And um, we do a lot of fun social media stuff. So, you know. Yay. Have a a go. (laughs) Sandra,
0: thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, We appreciate you. you
2: Thank you so much. Katia D'Angelo, folks, with Bridgeside Books in Waterbury, Vermont. It is adorable. Um, We loved visiting, and you always have a friendly staff. Thank you, Katia.
0: Support your locals, y'all. Zero hour out. Peace. Bye. Thank you, Katia. Uh Cream!